Welcome to the 48th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the ring girl conqueror, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How art thou? I'm pretty good, you know. You know, just li- living at large in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Same, same old, same old shite. Different day, man. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I was a... Uh, Looking at just recently, like t- today, uh, there was an article about Will Amos. Did you see that? No. I'm just curious. It's like a, it's a guy who works for the liberal government, mm-hmm. like the federal government in Canada. His name is Will Amos. And he was caught on camera urinating on a Zoom call. What? Like what? He brought his laptop to the bathroom? Like one of those rookie mistakes? Or like what <laughs> did he do? I don't know because the story, this is only part of the story. Initially, Will Amos in April was caught on camera after he claimed that he didn't know that his camera was on and he walked into the room with the camera on with this parliamentary meeting. Like it's a parliamentary meeting. Mm-hmm. And he walks in from a run and apparently he was just going to hop into the shower because when he walked into the room on camera, he was fully nude fully nude this guy's a little bit of a sexual deviant <laughs> and now he's caught urinating on camera right after although the first image is actually seen it was public somebody from the parliamentary meeting posted the nude image the nude video and this one uh, wasn't actually publicly posted but he stepped down he stepped down temporarily so he can deal with his issues or some quote like that it's very unusual it's worth looking up because it's just a wild situation. I'm confused. Does he have issues or does he just not understand how technology works? I don't know. But like, how could this happen twice to the same guy in the same like span of two months? Like, I, I don't, don't know. know. I am puzzled by this. I don't understand. And then, of course, the conservative government in their classic, you know, classic politics are like, I think that it's not a safe environment that the Trudeau liberals have set in place. No, no, sorry. The Trudeaus, with apostrophe S, liberals have set in stone here. Mm. I mean, to be fair, if I was at work and then someone just walked in naked, like one of my coworkers walked in naked, I'd be like, ah, I know. This is definitely not a safe work environment. I agree. So they're not really wrong about that. No, but at the I same I just time, like, I, who cares? I just laugh, laugh at off. the fact that you're saying it's Trudeaus. Trudeaus oh, yeah. liberals. I just find it funny that you're putting ownership on him. Although I think this guy was voted in, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Trudeau has much to do with it. But yeah. 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 Politics, man. Yeah. Let's not go too deep into politics. But I just thought that was hilarious. Because yeah. the first part of it, the nude run thing was actually like everyone in the States was was laughing about it. Like there was on late night TV. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's crazy. As well as our uh, our uniform for the Olympics. I don't know if you saw the. No. Are the Olympics actually happening? This year? It seems like it is. Unless I'm mistaken, it wasn't canceled. It's still happening. That's interesting. Am I wrong? I don't know. Like, that, that's that's a genuine question that I have for you. I, I, I haven't heard anything. I guess it was supposed to be in 2020. 
So obviously was, we're doing it, it this year. I think there's like a random, I don't know what game it is. I want to say like Sonic and Mario Tokyo Olympics 2020 or something like that. Like there are games that are out that, you know, have the Olympics 2020. Um, oh, video yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, obviously, because like those games are in development for a while, months, if not years prior um, to the, you know, the Olympics. So I guess yeah, they probably finished it in time. And they're like, ah, fuck we may as well release it there's no point on holding it um but yeah i don't know yeah i'm curious I, like i feel i mean the rest of the world is other than you know some countries like india as an example like they have their they have their shit together india does not uh, i just want to clarify but like you know a bunch of other countries are starting to get their shit together and they do it safe i mean i don't see i don't see the problem vaccination rates are going up quite a bit i'm sure they are going to prioritize like olympic athletes and make sure that they are all vaccinated prior to you know, go in there. So I don't know. I don't see an issue with it. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's happening because I'm looking up articles right now as you, as we speak to each other and it seems like it's still going on. It just might go fan free is what they're saying. Like they might not have any fans in the state and the stands, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah. I feel like that's the biggest risk. If you put all of the athletes into like a bubble, kind of like they did with the NBA or mm-hmm. uh, the NHL at certain points, like last year, I, I think it's, uh, it's doable. But it seems like they're saying it's actually this CNN article is claiming since May 25th or it has been updated in May 25th. It's claiming that canceling this year's games is essentially off the table. Oh, OK. Are we still going to have like the Winter Olympics next year? Or are they going to just undo the cycle and then just keep it going? Like, are they going to do like that? I don't know. Because that's why we're not a sports podcast. Yeah. I'd hate for it to be like odd numbers every time there's the Olympics. That would drive me insane. Oh yeah. That would be annoying. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I, I would hate if we translated ourselves into a sports podcast. Well, that too. I don't even, I just don't understand sport. I just don't care enough about them. I'm sure I could yeah. learn about them. I could self-learn myself, but I'm just not interested. I feel like I, I've betrayed my team. Like I, I love the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I haven't watched any games, even in the playoffs here, but it's mm-hmm. just because I don't have the TV channel and I, Sometimes I go out of my way to get it, but it feels like in the pandemic, it's a weird time to have sports even happening. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. I was Mm going to say, just to bring it real back, uh, back real quick to the Olympics, that Tokyo 2020 Olympic logo was absolutely mint. Mm. I think you might've seen that meme about how, how angry the, the marketer the graphic design artist would have been to have created that, that uh, 2020 Olympic Olympic logo and then it to be scrapped because the 2020 Olympic games don't exist anymore. Just keep it. Obviously 2021. I know everyone will understand. I don't think anyone's going to care. Yeah, I know. Let's just pretend. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's roll into our show corrections or slash clarifications. Every week we go back uh, to look at our past weeks and the mistakes that we've made, and we try to correct them on our episodes to make sure that we're not giving away any misinformation, even if it's about the uh, film, film and TV industry. We want to be as accurate as possible. It's not like we're in a life and, de- and death. We're not talking about a life and death uh, scenario in terms of industries, but we want to be accurate, and that's important to us. And so I wanted to correct something that's probably our biggest mistake, potentially, and that it's a complete contradiction of what we literally talked about for a long period of time last week. Um, But it's not our fault. I mean, I was following Deadline, who I think is fairly accurate. And we don't know if this is still not true. But apparently, um, Warner Brothers claims that Dune will not be going to theaters before it goes to HBO Max. It will launch 
on HBO Max day and date, as in theaters, like they announced at the end of 2020. Uh, we talked about this again at length last week. We talked about how Deadline reported that specifically Denis Villeneuve, the director of Dune, got his way. That he he somehow got Warner Brothers to sway uh, and actually have the the movie launch in theaters for a four, full 45-day window. I think they even had that detail in there uh, prior to its HBO Max streaming launch. Hmm. But apparently, again, IndieWire, other websites have announced – that this is not the the case. Certain Warner Media representatives have specifically said, "Nope, this is still happening." Like we said, it is. Dune is launching and in theaters on the same day as HBO Max. Joanna Fuentes, who is a specifically the head of communications for Warner Media Studios, posted on Twitter on her personal Twitter account. She posted, "Quote and I quote: Hashtag Dune." will premiere in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day in the U.S. In brackets, she added, source, Warner Brothers. <laughs> I, think I, I think that's the, mo- the most brazen, like, oh yeah? Like a slap in the face to, to Deadline. You dare say this? This ain't happening, Denis Villeneuve. We're, we're launching specifically Dune in theaters and on HBO Max on the same day. What do you think of this, Adrian? Because this is a complete contradiction, again, of what we talked about last week. Yeah, this is just kind of unfortunate to hear. So um, scrap the entire last episode. Don't listen to it. It's unimportant. <laughs> sure. No, yeah. it's, just the, well, it's, it's just the one 20-minute segment that we talked about. It Maybe not even 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's unfortunate to hear this. Yeah, we were elated last week. Like We were pretty proud of our boy, Denis Villeneuve. I know. You know? Yeah, it's a it's a big come down at this point. Yeah. I wonder if this is still I um, mean, it may have not been announced by Warner Media, but I wonder if this is still in the works to have a 45-day theatrical exclusivity window and they just are not not everyone is aware that these negotiations are happening and deadline has sources as we've seen in the past. Like they've got a lot of exclusive stories that launch on that website. That's why I use deadlines so often. Uh, and I source them so often when we talk about our news stories within the industry. So I, I don't know, man, I think it could still happen. I feel like this is like Joanna Fuentes is like, no, I'm the head of communications. I know what's up, but I wonder if maybe she doesn't in yeah. this case, or she's just trying to hide. I, I feel like if you were trying to hide, you would just stay silent though. Like you just wouldn't comment on it. Because, yeah, like if you're making the statement, like actually no, like we're we're going back to HBO Max and theaters the same day, and then you come out a I guess technically a fourth time, saying like actually never mind our last statement, it is only in theaters. It, it would just be a weird flip flop. I I just think it's a you you would hope that the head of communications would understand that and uh, not want to confuse anyone because. Again, th- this alone is already causing enough confusion. If they flip flop back again, I just don't. I, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. And uh, I- I'm gonna bet. I guess that uh, this is it. This is it. Like Dune will be on in theaters and on HBO Max in the U.S. on the same day. I don't think they're gonna go back from this. I just feel like it. It would have been pointless to make this statement if they were even in talks. Because realistically, if they're in talks, again, you just keep your mouth shut and chances are those conversations happening should be done relatively soon. You would, you'd assume so at least like, I don't think it's much of a long winded conversation. I just, um, I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah. I find it odd. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. Like even this Joanna Fuentes, she posted on her Twitter, her personal Twitter account. And on her personal Twitter account, when you look at her bio, it specifically says, uh, this is a personal account and it says not official Warner Media fair. Hmm. Which I find interesting. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm trying to find that article now from Deadline and I can't find it. So did they delete it? It's possible. It's weird. Like when they when they just go back and say, no, we were wrong? Wouldn't that they, be a smarter move? Like update just it? edit it. Yeah. I can't find it in a quick Google search here, but maybe maybe it's there. I just can't find mm-hmm. it. But it's yeah, this is a crazy situation. I guess stay tuned. I really do hope, again, as we talked about last week, that it will in, in fact launch on the in theaters exclusively for 45 days, but we have no idea whether that will happen at this point. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And my brother Oliver wrote into us and he said, hi. Hi. I would say that Adrian's East Side Mario tactic is a little odd, but not unique. I know a guy who would order a veggie sub from Subway and then go home and fill the sandwich with his parents' cold cuts. What? <laughs> what? Oh. That is just, that's, that's insane. That's like <laughs> you're a goddamn sociopath. What the hell? Oh my goodness gracious. You're talking about cents on the dollar. Like, like what's the difference between a veggie sub and a freaking turkey? Su- like, I, I can't imagine it's much more than a dollar or two. You go yeah. home. What? That it's is strange. absolutely bananas. That I'm is glad just we're on the same page on this one. Yeah, I'm not that much of a psychopath. You know what? Actually, I think this is more normal than the Eastside Mario's thing. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's not. It's not. I'm gonna I'm gonna quit this goddamn podcast if you say. I can that. see your facial expression from here. Even though we're doing this remotely, of course. Mm-hmm. Staying safe, baby. All right. Anyways, my brother continued, but he was right a few podcasts ago that other countries have real seasons, and in Canada, we only have winter and construction. That is definitely a thing. Your brother's a smart man. I'm glad he understands. With respect to The Ring, I always wanted Simon to watch this, but felt the odds were low. I think beating the shit out of Samara is out of the question, since she's already dead. I'm not sure she even has a physical presence. She doesn't kill you with brute force. Perhaps you are forgetting that when you face her, you suffer a very terrible and very inescapable death. The movie does obscure it, but you eventually realize what happens to her victims. Very disturbing, but I'll leave it there. I think I could still take her. I'm not worried. Just to be clear, last episode, your mom wrote into us. She begged the question, would it be easier to defeat the Babadook or, sorry, survive the Babadook or survive Samara? You said that you could just beat the crap out of Samara and survive. So that was your answer. I do wonder, just to do a quick aside, I do wonder, because you said you hadn't watched this movie in a while, whether you just Mm. don't have as much of a perspective on the movie The Ring as you once did. Could I be wrong? I mean, you're, could I you're be right? not I mean, wrong. Could I be wrong? No, you're, could I be right? I mean, you could be wrong, but I don't think you are in this particular situation. But honestly, I think I could still take her. You know what I mean? <laughs> All righty. Anyways, he continued. Lastly, for late 30-somethings, take a look at the upcoming Masters of the Universe cartoon coming out on Netflix. For younger millennials, Zoomers, and Boomers, Masters of the Universe was a toy commercial pretending to be a cartoon. It aired in the 1980s. Basically, Mattel 
wanted to sell action figures, and so funded a cartoon as a way to create demand. The show was awesome, though, anyway, and was probably my favorite childhood cartoon. I owned a lot of the toys as well. Hmm. The marketing worked. A lot of people have nostalgia for this show, and apparently the remake, titled Masters of the Universe Revelation, is a cartoon for adults. Can't say if it's good or bad or worth seeing if you don't know about He-Man and Battle Cat, but the show has some serious talent surrounding it. The animation is being done by the studio who did the Netflix Castlevania cartoon. Oh! The showrunner for Masters of the Universe is Kevin Smith of Jay and Silent Bob. Music by Bear McCreary, who did music for Battlestar Galactica, Walking Dead, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Black Sails. As well as, by the way, I've been playing God of War. He also did the was, music for God of War. I was just about to say, that's the God of War guy. Yeah. And, and that that that's fantastic music for sure and voice work by mark hamill from star wars of course never heard of him lana hetty from game of thrones alicia silverstone from clueless sarah Mm -hmm. michelle geller from buffy and the vampire slayer kevin conroy from batman the animated series liam cunningham from game of thrones and alan oppenheimer of the original masters of the universe the show is streaming in july signed oliver Mm -hmm. thank you very much for writing in oliver i appreciate that had you heard of the the new series coming to Netflix prior to him pointing it out? I don't know. I feel like maybe, but I don't. I never like saved it in my memory banks, if you know what I mean. Like it definitely rings a bell, but I did. I did not know about um, the Netflix. Or sorry, the animation studio that did Castlevania. I, I, I had no idea that the animation was being done by them. Um, I didn't realize that Kevin Smith was even attached to it. And again. Um, the cast on this is fantastic, and I definitely haven't heard anything about that. So I'm going to go with, I didn't know about this show. Cool. Yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I didn't see this being reported previously, because we've been kind of, you know, talking about the news constantly every week, because we do this this podcast every week. Um, but I didn't see this until this week, coincidentally, and then my brother texted me or emailed this email in. Um he also texted me to say, hey, have you heard of this show as well? But uh, I was like, oh, wow, this has got some serious talent. Hmm. Yeah, it's nuts. I'm kind of curious because I did actually watch some of these episodes. I'm talking of the 1980s Masters of the Universe series. <laughs> it's weird. But I watched in the second year, second or third year of university. Uh, we like uh, rented a house and there was a, like a bunch of friends basically and for whatever reason, we watched Community, which is obviously a great show, and mm. and we started watching that. I think like into the, I think this, it was in the second or third season at that point, and so we kind of were going through that. And uh, we also watched uh, the IT Crowd, which is interesting, and then this show, which is weird. <laughs> and so we just randomly, I think, once they finished watching Community, they just started throwing on Masters of the Universe while we grabbed Topper's Pizza in Guelph. That was a, a weird Friday ritual. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting show. It does kind of feel like a toy commercial. My other connection to Masters of the Universe, like the original, obviously the original show, is the um, is that weird rendition music video of, you know what I'm talking about? And I said, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That song? With yeah. He-Man? Yeah. yeah. Four, four Non-Blondes, I believe. Yeah, Four Non-Blondes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So- so yeah, this definitely rings a bell. So this was like Skeletor and stuff like that. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, exactly. It's all clicking together. I, I definitely have heard of this. I just had no idea about all the specifics. 
So you know what? I'm going to go back on my previous statement and say I did hear about this. Oh, hear about the new show, the remake yes. type show. Okay, cool. Yeah. I definitely had some coworkers talk about this, but again, I had no idea that it like, about the animation studio or the cast attached or showrunners. I, I just remember hearing it in, in passing. Oh, yeah. Neat. And uh, just being like, I, I have no attachment to this whatsoever, except for the memes. I feel like this is like a serious nostalgia alert. I've used the uh, the phrase on our show, the McDonald's ball pit. That isn't my phrase. It's actually my brother's phrase. I don't know if I said that before, but regardless. I don't think you, I don't think you ever gave him credit for that. No. And now I'm giving him credit officially. He said that once uh, for actually, I think it was Zack Snyder's film. The uh, I can't remember the beginning of it, but Legends of Gahul or the Owls of Gahul. You know what I'm talking about? His animated movie with the owls, the Battle Owls. Oh, I definitely you know, haven't even watched that movie. What? You love yeah. Zack Snyder? What's happening here? I don't know. That's uh, yeah. That's just a thing in a blank slate in my knowledge. I had no idea about that. Legend of the sure. Guardians. That's what it is. Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. That is a Zack Snyder. That was a book series, right? Uh, was it? Was it? Was it? I'm looking it up. That's that's why I keep saying was it over and over again. Simultaneously looking it up here. You never want dead air, man. You never want dead air. Oh, based on the Guardians of Gahul series by Catherine Lasky. So definitely, yes. Yeah, yes. I definitely remember the, this book series. 100%. Yeah. A bunch of my buddies read it in elementary school. Um, one of my best, uh, friends from childhood, Zach Zagat. He was super, uh, super into this. Cool. I've spoken to that guy in a while. Yeah, man. Yeah. But, but yeah, the McDonald's ball pit is like a way to describe things that are very nostalgic. Uh, him and I, Oliver and I describe, um, <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin, the, the TV series, the animated TV series in which it kind of is, it's almost like a, it's a serialized animated show. Uh, the McDonald's ball pit, it gives you that McDonald's ball pit type feel. You know, the mm-hmm. smell, smell of weird socks and like the, I don't know, there's something very nostalgic about the smells and concept of, of the McDonald's ball pit. And so that's mm-hmm. the idea. Same thing with Legend of Bushring this. Oh, Legend of the Guardians, sorry. The Owls uh, of Gahul. And, uh, and in this case, I think for him, it's also Masters of the Universe. He's in that McDonald's ball pit realm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I'll watch this. I think I will. I'm, I'm tempted. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm definitely curious about that. If it's the same animation studio behind Castlevania, I really love that animation style. And obviously, again, this is like an all-star cast. (laughs) The people connected to this. I'm not a huge Kevin Smith fan, though. I'll be honest with you. I'm not, like, I don't love Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, I don't like Clerks all that much. I was very young when I watched those movies, so maybe I would like them as I'm I'm older. But again, I've never really loved any of Kevin Smith's movies i like him as a person i like how much of a super fan he is of like batman and all this sort of stuff and i've listened to a couple of his podcast uh, episodes um i think he changed the name but it used to be like fat man on batman or something like that but now it's like bat. i don't know it doesn't matter what the podcast name is uh but yeah i don't know i'm just i feel like the movies i've seen of kevin smith he has these crazy big ideas and i don't necessarily think they land um, I remember I watched one of his movies. It's called like Tusk or something like that. Um, hmm. Johnny Depp's in it. And it's pretty much just about a guy that turns into a walrus. It's a weird ass movie. I uh, did not like that one bit. And I know I, I feel like I liked Dogma back in the day. But again, I, I don't really remember much of it. I remember Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are angels. <laughs> um, that's, no, okay. that's pretty much it. And I remember it being incredibly bloody and gory. Definitely shouldn't have watched that when I was younger, but uh, I definitely did. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not fully sold on this, I'll be honest. I'll definitely give it a chance. But uh in terms of July, um it's not a hugely busy month, but again, who knows? Maybe I still won't be done Grey's Anatomy by then. I know the Resident Evil series is coming, all that good stuff. So I don't know if I'll be able to uh put in the time right off the bat. We'll see though. We'll see. If you're into it and you plan on watching it, maybe I'll just watch it just to just to be by your side so we can talk about it together. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Getting out of the hypotheticals into something you actually have watched. What have you been watching this week, Adrian? Well, Simon, I mentioned Grey's Anatomy. I'm going to do my quick Grey's Anatomy update. I took a little bit of a break from the Grey's Anatomy for uh, a couple of weeks there. I just, um, hmm. there's a very emotional <laughs> season 11 episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of crushed me. I'll be honest with you. That's fair. And uh, I just needed a break from the show. I was like, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Like there's, too many people die. There's so much shit going on. It's it really it really hit me hard, like a ton of bricks. Uh, and I literally just needed a break from the show for a bit. But I jumped back into it. I'm back uh, halfway through season 12. It's great. It's still such a good show. Again, season 12 is Grey's Anatomy is masterful in. I've already said this before, but they're masterful in folding in new characters into the show. And making you kind of feel for them relatively quickly. The one new character in season 12, I don't love her. Uh, but there's a lot of reason uh, behind why I don't like the character. And they do a really good job kind of expanding on it. And uh, I don't know, just ramping up the drama and and making you just care about all these characters and watching them go through their daily lives and do these crazy medical procedures and, you know, that I have literally no understanding of, but again, great. I, I really love uh, Grey's Anatomy. I'm going to keep on watching it. Hopefully the season finale or the, the end of season 12 doesn't break me and I need to take another break, but yeah, we'll see about that. Um, yeah. Wh- what have you watched my friend? Um, well, for one thing, I wondered if you watched this as well, but I watched the trailer for Edgar Wright's last night in Soho. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Oh, what'd you think of it? It looks really good. I feel like Edgar Wright can't do wrong. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him for that um, because he's just knocked it out of the park with pretty much every movie he's come out with. But this seems very different from his other movies. This seems like a genuine like horror thriller movie, it which does, is super yeah. cool. Um, I'm very curious how he can bring in this like artistic flair and his amazing like editing skills into a horror movie. Yeah, me too. I'm super interested. Yeah, it does feel like he can't do wrong. It it does. It's interesting. Um, like I find another director who's kind of like that is Wes Anderson. Like I'm really excited for the French Dispatch. Um, mm-hmm. So that's going to be really exciting too. Yeah, I didn't know he was making last night, and so I must have missed that as well because I know that he's doing a documentary as as well. You you sent yeah. me, or actually, I mean, we don't talk about that this podcast, but never. You uh, somehow sent me maybe through you know proxy a trailer for that as well do you remember the name of that it's about a band oh no i totally forget i know what you're talking about though um because i i sent it to you through proxy of course because it was uh, you it was you i wasn't mistaken yeah it was just through Um, proxy of course here let me look it up quick uh the sparks brothers yes yeah and it's a documentary about i guess what's the band name the sparks or something like that i never heard of this band or the Sparks Brothers. I think themselves. that's the that's part of the magic of this documentary is that people haven't really heard of them, but they've influenced the music scene and pop culture, or at least pop music 
in such a hmm. crazy way and people don't really know them that well. But I think it's I'm just going to look up the same thing you are and see if I can find the answer. It's literally called Sparks. That's the band. Sparks. Oh, that's a good name. They have a good last name for for that band name, <laughs> arguably. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, like that trailer looked good too. And like again, Edgar Wright doing a documentary, I'm in. So yeah, he's it's cool to see him like experimenting like this. Cause um I don't necessarily think his previous movies are all like similar. But I I definitely do think they have this like comedic tone in pretty much all of his movies that he that he keeps up even even though it's fairly intense and there's always just very good editing um, and just like editing that goes with the music um, or the theme you know, very well yeah, like for like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world as an example it's very very exactly like, it just it owns it owns its identity I guess mm-hmm. yeah and of course like Baby Driver and then yeah Baby Driver can't say enough great things the only blight on Baby Driver is honestly is Kevin Spacey yeah it sucks. But and then again, like his Cornetto trilogy, like the like all three of those movies are awesome. Hot Fuzz, um, Shaun of the Dead, and what is it? The End of the World. The end. Yeah, the end of the world. That's yeah, actually like my that. blind spot. Those three movies I haven't seen. Oh, they're all great. I really love them. Shaun of the Dead's like a straight up comedy. Same with Hot Fuzz, and he, even like the End of the World. They're all like sort of dark comedies, and uh, just very well done. Um, I really like those, but I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely curious about last night. And so it looks fantastic. Like I'm all in. Um, yeah. And you're ideally t- Taylor joy is like blowing up. Like she's, I know clearly she, like the, the talk of Hollywood in many aspects. I think she even hosted like an episode of SNL. She like killed it in, in Queens, uh, the Queens gambit, mm-hmm. uh, which I still haven't finished. Believe it or not. I'm like oh, on man. the last episode. I'm so close to the end. I love it. I don't know why I'm taking so long. It's just, I'm being ridiculous, but. I'll get I'll get to the end of it. She's absolutely incredible in it, though. I, again, I've watched every episode except for the last one. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers. Yeah, like I feel like from Split on, she just blew up, just ginormous. And yeah, over the span of the past, I guess five years at this point, she's one of the big, the heavy hitters in Hollywood. So yeah, her best movie, arguably in terms of the actual incredibleness of the movie itself, is New Mutants, of course. Mm-hmm. The hit movie New Mutants. Yeah, starring an yeah. all-star cast of Anya Taylor-Joy, Macy Williams, and other people. In- indeed, indeed. But yeah, uh, I definitely feel like we've talked about Last Night in Soho here on this podcast. I I feel like maybe you just forgot it, but I feel like did we? What? Yeah, Are you sure. I feel like it was announced at some point, and it was in the montage or something that we just brought it like Edgar in it, right? Announced this Last Night in Soho movie, or that it was delayed. Because it was supposed to come out late last year, if I recall correctly. Huh. But I don't know. It's possible. I feel like we definitely did. Maybe maybe I just talked about it to myself on the podcast. I just thought when you told me about the documentary by proxy, I thought you were saying that you kind of wished it was a fictional movie. I thought that's what you were kind of pointing out, but maybe I'm mistaken. No, no. I was pointing out that he's coming out with these two movies. Like, oh man, like the, he, he's not only doing a uh, like a, I guess, a nonfiction movie, a documentary. Uh, that he was also coming out with last night. So uh, I don't know. I'm losing my mind. I guess I'm losing my mind in this pandemic. You're crazy man. You're crazy, crazy. All righty, all righty. What have you? What else have you watched? Anything else, Adrian? Yes, Simon. I have watched one more thing. Not all of it though. Ooh. But Master of None has oh, come out on Netflix, season three. Correct. The new Aziz Ansari. Uh, well, not new. Um, <laughs> Aziz Ansari show that he started back in like 2016 or 2015. 
three seasons and um all like the first two are uh, genuinely phenomenal i really like them season two especially just steps it up and he does a really good job that each of these seasons are almost kind of self-contained stories and take almost almost like an anthology series kind of but it's still with the same characters right you're just kind of watching them at different points in their lives the the time jump between season one through three uh one to two is you know a few years for sure and once again they did that the same thing for season two and three and Um, again i think that show just got like exponentially better after season one season one is amazing but season two is like wow how where did where did this guy come from yeah it's unreal it's one of my favorite seasons of television honestly um yeah it's an argument and on um, netflix i don't know if we said that already this is on netflix yeah, it is a Netflix original series. So if you have a Netflix subscription, you can watch it anywhere around the world. Um, and yeah, again, season three kind of continues on that trend where it does a big time jump, but it's different. It's uh, it doesn't follow Aziz Ansari's character, which is I heard that I heard that I didn't watch it yet. Interesting. Yeah. And again, I've only watched the first episode. It's about 40 to 50 minutes long. I think the second episode's only 20 minutes. So he's kind of just doing whatever. And the first episode's really good. Like, uh, it follows his one friend, Denise, played by Lana Waithe. Um, and again, it takes place a few years after that. And it's really just following her in her current relationship after she's blown up from being a best-selling author. And you're really just following her. And it's a slice of life. Just, you know, the one episode just follows her over the course of a few, I guess, months um, with her current girlfriend. And it's really interesting. It, I feel like Master of None it's funny that that that's the show's title because I feel like it Aziz Ansari has mastered a specific tone that's spread out throughout all of his series and I sorry all, all the seasons and it feels so real and I feel like that is one of the yeah. best compliments I can give a show where literally you're watching it and everyone in the show feels like a real person it feels like these are actual things happening it almost just seems like the camera is in a room while these people are just having a regular conversation and it's done so well. Um, You know, you just watch these two characters like dancing in like the laundry room and it's like a two and a half minute scene of them just dancing. But again, you, it builds so much character and you kind of watch these two care, these two characters share love with one another without saying a single word. And it's just done so masterfully. Um, And I really, really like it. I am I'll be honest, I am a little disappointed that we're not following Aziz Ansari's character because I feel like the um, ending of season two is left a little bit ambiguous. Hmm, Yeah, yeah. um, I'm not going to say that they they do answer what happens. Sorry, let let me let, let me step back a second. They don't answer what happens, but, you know, you can assume kind of what happens from the from that point on um, with from season three. You mean like they reveal it? kind of not really reveal it but Aziz Ansari is in the episode hint at it. exactly Aziz Ansari is in the episode and they hint at what could have happened but they don't actually talk about it whatsoever and okay. he again is he is now the side character he's not the main character of the show anymore they they Lena Waithe I guess is the main character I don't know if this like the subsequent episodes they it's just different characters every time and that's how it works but currently it seems like it's going to follow Lena Waithe um, and kind of her journey. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm a little disappointed by it, but at the same time, I'm not, cause it's still so fantastic. 
I just wanted something a little different. I'm going to obviously continue watching it. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I'm sure I'll be impressed when I finish it all and probably will be pleased with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just wanted something a little bit different. I wanted to see Aziz Ansari and, you know, like what he, his character is doing at that time and continue following his life. But I guess Aziz Ansari had different, uh, a different plan in mind and he's, and he's going for it. And if he can, you know, see his vision through and it be even half as good as season two, um, I'm going to be happy with it. So cool. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I do plan on watching it. I just, again, I haven't gotten around to it cause I haven't even finished the, the queen's gambit, but I will. Watch yeah. There's it. so much to watch, man. It's, it's hard to keep up. It is indeed. You watch anything else? I watched one more thing. I'm going to talk about it briefly here. And it is the documentary abducted in plain sight. And oh. you guessed it. It's a true crime documentary, Adrian. I, I bet you didn't. You might not have guessed that, actually, because it's, you know, it's impossible to have known that. No. I thought it was an anime. From our previous conversations. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, my favorite genre, anime. Uh, but yeah, this true crime documentary is, uh, wow. Wow. It's an hour and a half. It's a single movie, not a docuseries this time. Like I talked about the jinx, I think it was last episode. Yeah. This movie, it, it's heart-wrenching. It's horrific. It's terrible, but it keeps your eyes glued to the screen and you just don't want to look away despite its horrific nature. Every person that I've told to watch this show or that Don and I, because again, I watched this with my girlfriend, Don, we've told other people at coworkers to watch it. And the one coworker she told to watch it, she did go home and watch it that night. And when she came, came back to work the next day, she's like, what the heck did I just watch? It's just, uh, it's wild. It's a, it's a wild, mm -hmm. it's a wild ride. And I recommend it, Adrian, if you're looking for something short to watch, but something that's going to be horrific. I just uh, urge you or anyone. I love horrific things. Okay. Just bear with me here. I'm going to put a little disclaimer on this whole situation. If you do plan on watching Abducted in Plain Sight, based on my current recommendation, the one I just gave you, please read the description, but don't read the rest of the synopsis. If the description Seems like it might trigger you. I mean, it it touches specific, specifically tough topics to potentially watch. And so I just want you to make sure that you're good with watching this type of subject matter because it is about, you know, a kidnapping of a child. So, and I'm all in other, for that sort of stuff. And other bad things with this child. And it's, it's again, oh, I don't, okay. It makes you so mad. And yet, again, the it's such an insane story. It's so crazy that you will be like, what the hell is, why is this happening? Over and over again, you'll be like, what? Are you joking? I, I guarantee you. Adrian, if you watch this, I, I implore you. If you don't think that throughout this, I'll be surprised. Although I've kind of now set the tone, so I wonder now if I've set the mm. expectations. This is a Netflix original one as well, right? It is. It's a Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. It's specifically a Netflix movie. Anyway, cool. it's worth the watch. Yeah, maybe I'll watch it with my lover this week. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Again, just read the quick description on Netflix before you, you dive in, because it may not be for you potentially, but... Okay. Well, then, should we move on to the news, Adrian? I think not. Ah, well, that's too bad. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one. As Publication Variety reports... The CW Network's Powerpuff Girls live-action TV series will not air on the network's fall schedule due to the pilot requiring an overhaul. In other words, the pilot was reportedly too campy in tone and needs to be rewritten and reshot. The series was designed to be a sequel 
to the animated series created by Craig McCracken, in which three superpowered preschool-aged children by the names of Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles fight crime in their hometown of Townsville. The live-action sequel series is set to star Broadway actress Yana Perot and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actresses Chloe Bennett and Dove Cameron as the adult versions of Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles. Despite the required rework, CW CEO Mark Pitowitz expressed confidence in the show's concept as well as the cast and writing team behind the project. Pitowitz explained, quote, The reason you do pilots is because sometimes things miss. And this was just a miss. We believe in the cast completely. We believe in Diablo Cody and Heather Renier, the writers. We believe in the auspices of Greg Berlanti and Warner Brothers Studios. In this case, the pilot didn't work. But because we see there's enough elements in there, we want to give it another shot. So that's why we didn't want to go forward with what we had. Tonally, it might have felt a little too campy. It didn't feel as rooted in reality as it might have felt. But again, you learn things when you test things out. And so in this case, we felt, let's take a step back and go back to the drawing board, unquote. Adrian, what do you think about this Powerpuff Girls pilot redo? Well, Simon, color me not surprised whatsoever i said as soon as the show was announced that this is probably going to be a shit show they're going to try to just sexify a show about preschool kids turned you know young adults and it was going to be hot garbage i I was i was confident in that and i don't know if you saw but there were supposedly leaked script documents for the show yeah actually specifically i think that's why they also might have decided to scrap the pilot because of the leaked documents there was a weird like people were like are you serious and so they They, realized after they also watched the pilot i think that's kind of a connection thing i don't think anyone's admitted that though so that is not official but it seems like that it is just I don't know if you saw the, those leaked script documents because, again, who knows if they're real, but I'm pretty sure they are because I'm they were copyright uh, struck and, and, and removed. Uh, there's a bunch of you can still find it online. People saved it once it's out there. It's out there. But I don't know if you read it, any of it, but I wouldn't go with campy. I would go with shitty. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> hell these writers were thinking. It's shocking to me that Diablo Cody who wrote movies like Juno, which is amazing, and Tully, could make something this awful. I read that script. Take it with a grain of salt. I read some of it too. I don't know that it's real. It's true. You're right. Copyright strike is kind of a, wait a second, why would you copyright strike this if it wasn't real? I'm, I'm thinking that's what you're thinking as well. But we don't know for sure if this is the official script. But yeah. It does seem weird to me. It looks, it's so bad, but the issue with the script being this bad is I honestly am not too shocked that this is like a CW show. I, I, I bashed CW a bunch. Uh, again, this is coming from someone that used to love watching a lot of CW shows like Supernatural, uh, you know, Arrow, even The Flash at the start. But then when uh, Legends of Tomorrow came out, I was like, this is actually just garbage. Like, What am I doing with my life? And then I just stopped watching all of those shows. I still right. want to go back and like finish Supernatural because I know they wrapped it all up. But because um, I genuinely enjoyed that show. I feel like it went on way too long. Uh, the, the first five seasons of that show are genuinely I, I really love. Um, but I feel like it starts going downhill pretty quick after that. But anyways, those script. I'm going to just read 
one of the one of the lines. Okay. Sure. Sounds good. So this is one of the one of the I can't even believe this. This is honestly <laughs> so bubbles. You can do it. You can do it, buddy. This is believe bubbles. Me. Guys, how can you turn down an evil recon mission? Especially when said Mish would make a perfect storyline for my documentary. Bubbles is back. Buttercup now says, not to be confused with your other film, Bubbles on her back. What the fuck is that? Who wrote this? Why would you? I I mean, we know who wrote this. We know who wrote this. What is this? This is some Bubbles. I always believed in you and defended you, Dad, even when you sold away our likeness to that cartoon, which, by the way, totally whitewashed us. Even then, I had your back. I always had a smile on my face. I never broke character, even though there was so much more to me. I always put family and the team first, no matter what. So not only is this show not really a sequel to the animated series, the animated series exists in this show. And apparently the father just sold the rights and they what? Like, what? What is this? The Saints whitewashing is odd to me. The funniest part about that is that Bubbles, the actress that plays Bubbles, I forget her name. She's a white girl. She's a white girl with blonde hair. So at least make like, you know, Blossom say it, who is played by Chloe Bennett, who I know is of Asian descent. You know, at least like, like why? It, it doesn't make sense to me. I just find it absolutely odd and again if those leaked script documents are real there's a hell of a lot you need to change there is so much there's even like references to blossom uh killing mojo jojo at a bar or something like that it's like oh my god of course you're really gonna, yeah like you're gonna cop out and not bring in one of the most memorable characters from that show mojo jojo the monkey he's amazing how are yeah, you not gonna bring him in i i i don't think my girlfriend really had much perspective on this show but when i I talked to her about how the script potentially leaked. We don't know for sure. And and I was like, you know, Powerpuff Girls. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the monkey. The monkey yeah. villain. She's like, that's the only thing she kind of remembered. Mojo Jojo. Anyway, Mojo Jojo. I love, <laughs> I love Powerpuff Girls. Like, I'm, like, I loved that show as a kid. And uh, I haven't seen it in many years. But it was awesome. You know, played on Cartoon Network. I actually have, like, a lot of nostalgia to that. Um, whenever I would, like, go to... Uh, Serbia actually to visit like my my aunt and uncle and stuff like that Um, we would be at their house and they had Cartoon Network as one of the channels so uh, during the day I remember I'd be watching Cartoon Network on the TV and Powerpuff Girls was obviously one of those shows you know there's a bunch of the the shows Dexter's Laboratory and all that stuff I would still watch it in Canada but I I don't know why that those shows are specifically tied to memories in Serbia that I had just nostalgia. And it just feels uh, like they're McDonald's ball pit. Your McDonald's ball pit. Is that what you're saying? McDonald's ball pit, baby. Um, thank you, Oliver, for coming up with that term. You will now <laughs> get $1 every time you reference it on the podcast. Whoa, we don't even get a dollar. Coming from, from Simon's back bank account. Wait, 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 what? No, I, we never no agreed to this. No worries. What? Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, it's just... I don't know. It's shocking to me that anyone ever thought this was a good idea. And again, why would you even film? (laughs) Why would you even film that pilot after anyone with a goddamn brain in their head read that script? If again, if it is real, which again, it seems to be, but it might not be, but it seems to be because it was copyright struck. The thing about it that 
it strikes me again, and you said this from the beginning, is why did they make this show at all and how tough it is? I just keep thinking about all the iterations of what the show could be if it were even good. And I can't think of very many. Like what what can you do with this as live action with these characters grown up? And yeah, you did like, I guess, change the race of the characters, I guess. I, I don't understand. Like what are you going to do with this? How is this a sequel? I don't understand. And this is on the CW. Is this a good idea? No, it's not. It's just not good. There's so many better ideas than this. Why did they think this was good? Just make a Powerpuff Girls animated show. They're not they, making one now, are they? Yeah. Uh, no, no, they're not Not anymore. They did do it like a reboot Powerpuff Girls series a few years back, which was apparently pretty good. Just do a sequel. Just yeah. Do another sequel. Let's continue it. Well, I guess that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> this is a sequel. I mean... Create an animated sequel, to be clear. You know, you gotta well, be even clear if you do just like a live action sequel, just keep that like odd tone. I, I don't know. Like it just like keep the villains in there. Just there's just so I feel like you could do it in. Make it too campy. You know what I mean? Make it like actually campy, not this weird. Yeah. You know what this is? This is like Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright could, you know, do like the the you know Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of style. Just really camp it up that way. You know what I mean? Exactly. These yeah, characters just... are, are fun. That's the whole point of it. Like you can cast these characters or more specifically cast this more diverse set of actors, which is great. It's just not necessary to draw attention to whitewashing because my understanding of the reason to do a sequel, a live action sequel of this animated show is that you respected the animated show in the first place. What are you trying to make a statement about? Again, don't know if the script is real, but it's just, there's so I many mean, moments yeah. that I just don't really understand. What are you trying to do with this series? Like, it's apparently, yeah, campy is not the word I would use based on that Definitely script. That's not. why I wonder maybe if that's not a true script because it's just- I feel like they're trying to damage control and, and they're just saying maybe. something as it, because what are you going to say? Like, like literally, what are you going to say? The The- you know, the pilot was uh, re just really bad. Yeah, it was It was referencing one of the characters having a porno video. Is that not yeah. what that line is? That is literally what that line is. Okay, here's here's another line from the script. All right, you ready for this? From the, you know, the alleged script, the alleged script. Yeah. So, International Powerpuff Girls home, hallway, buttercups room during the day. Blossom heads upstairs where the bumping sound continues from buttercups room, then right. abruptly stops. Blossom opens the door and finds Buttercup in bed with Macy, the woman she eyed at the bar the night before. They've just finished, in quotations. Oh, God, I'm sorry, Blossom says. Buttercup. I'm. It, it's fine. We're done, right? She says that to Macy. Macy then says, I'd say six times is enough. What? <laughs> what the hell? Why are you writing this? <laughs> stuff like oh my god it's so beyond frustrating i just can't believe it and i don't know i i'm not one of these people that say like oh the this you know this thing is just trying to push a political agenda but i feel like cw is kind of notorious for very like pushing this very almost overly progressive agenda i know like one of the like one of the seasons of supergirl is literally about like illegal immigration it's like you're this is a show about an like a like a superpowered alien just fucking kill people just, just just do shit like I, I feel like not everything needs to be a political statement and i would make the argument that cw tries to make a political statement at every possible turn um again that, that, that may come off as like ignorant or 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 rude or whatever but i, I genuinely believe that i just feel like 
occasionally just make a goddamn show. Not everything needs to be a political statement. Not everything needs to be pushing like this so-called agenda. Who cares? Yeah, like, you know, that that's fine. Like Buttercup can be gay. Like I'm fine with that and all that sort of stuff. But again, why bring up like this? Oh, you sold this cartoon and whitewashed. It's like, what? Like, I just find it really odd, man. I just find it stupid. And and again, uh, CW, I think their track record as of late is just not great. They're doing cool stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. The idea of like making this big multiverse and having all their shows connect and bringing in, you know, like Tom Welling from Smallville in like an episode and even having like Ezra Miller in an episode of The Flash, um, which which is super cool. Like him meeting like the Grant Gustin's Barry Allen. Like they do cool pushing things. Pushing the multiverse, pushing that idea of that multiverse type of scenario. It, exactly. And, and they do some really cool stuff, but it's just so oversaturated and, and shit that it's hard to kind of overcome that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I'm just thinking about it while you're riffing about how bad this is. Uh, I was thinking like maybe the best way this could be good again, is that campy nature. Just make it ridiculous. You know, you're ridiculous. You're a sequel, a live action sequel of a very stylized cartoon. Like you can only do it in a way that's extremely campy. So yeah. Like one of the villains is literally like a, like is the devil in like a tutu. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have a you have a monkey with a head wrap, and if you take the head wrap off, his brain is exposed. You have like this huge, abnormally large lumberjack dude. You know, like there's there's so much you can do with it. And the idea that they're kind of just like, oh yeah, let's let's make this universe, but let's kill off one of the most memorable characters from that show. Let's let's right. do that. You know, I chances are they probably wouldn't bring in the devil with the tutu, or if they did, like would he be, be like that ink? just pure red and black sort of aesthetic. I don't know. Like I just, it just seems so disappointing. I feel like there's the, you could have done something cool with this, but instead you go this odd route where it's like, let's make everyone sexy and, and, and sell things from your childhood to you. But, but sex, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's I just thinking now, like, could this show have been good, like as a concept, but maybe on another network, like the CW you mentioned again the sex idea, like the sex sells mantra is kind of how they sell their shows in general. But then also they kind of just to avoid like the idea of the politics of pushing an agenda, did they just kind of take themselves too seriously almost mm-hmm. in every show? Like it just yeah. you can tell it's like palpable. It's one of the things I really didn't like about Arrow, although it again had a really good I can never remember which one. I think it's the second season. It is it, the second it's just season. Such a good season. It was so good, I was like, whoa. I didn't expect that. It was rated very highly by reviewers. And then mm-hmm. it just took a bit of a dive as the flash started to come out. And, and I just lost interest because it's just not good enough compared to shows like the leftovers. And that's kind of where we, I think both decided to move on, mm-hmm. but it's like, they, again, they take themselves too seriously. How can a Powerpuff Girls show be on the CW? It is seemingly impossible because they just don't do comedies. They don't do campy stuff. They're not Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi or Edgar Wright should be making something like this and they could maybe pull it off. Yeah. Again, these writers maybe could pull it off, but are you going to make it like that or are you going to do the same thing that CW does every time? Probably the latter, you know? Most likely, yeah. I mean, I will give CW credit with Supernatural. I might be biased and I might be just, you know, looking at it through uh, rose-tinted glasses, but I feel like Supernatural, although it took itself very seriously in like the the like the story that's going forward. It was very funny. Like every episode, it's just, you know, these two brothers shooting the shit a bunch of the times and like a bunch of one liners. And 
like them kind of understanding the ridiculous situations they continuously find themselves in. Right. And I feel like if you did something like that, maybe, you know, maintain that sort of tone and brought it in to this Powerpuff Girls series, maybe you could achieve something cool. But again, I, I think they, they, they lost it. I, I just don't think they have that anymore. And again, you look at shows like the flash and it's like every season, it's just the flash being like, I'm not fast enough to beat this other super fast guy because they're not yeah. creative enough to come out with, you know, a proper villain that isn't just super speed. You know, it's all, it, it's literally this Marvel formula that they're doing over and over and over and over and over again with the flash. Even yeah. arrow suffered from this where it's like, Oh, Arrow's now fighting a guy that is also shooting a bow. And it's like, why? It's it's true. I never thought of that. That's uh, that's the formula they've really gone on. And, and people mm-hmm. like those shows. Like those are well-reviewed, arguably TV series compared to like what Marvel offered before, you know, their big offerings with WandaVision as an example and Falcon mm-hmm. and the Winter Soldier. But yeah, you make a great point. It's, it, they just kind of follow the Marvel formula every season basically and the actually the season arrow didn't do that was the second season and that that villain is is awesome yeah manu bennett uh he played deathstroke and it was it was fantastic yeah it's weird i just keep thinking about how serious though they take themselves like yeah again i don't know this isn't the this isn't the network for this unless they can change up their style it's just not not what powerpuff girls has been from my understanding again i'm not a major powerpuff girls fan by any stretch of the imagination but i think that that's a bit of a wacky show you got to make a wacky sequel if you're going to do a live action Mm -hmm. type sequel reboot type scenario exactly don't make these kids that like suffered from drug addiction they grew up and suffered from drug addiction and they're in rehab apparently according to that script is that script real men because it's so wild it's just insane what were they thinking i kind of want to watch the first episode when it eventually comes out not in the fall i guess but I guess maybe in the spring or whatever, just to see which direction it goes. Yeah, I wonder if this pilot will leak. I know, I know it's happened yeah. before. I kind of want yeah. it to. I'm so curious. I want to watch it and just be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. And then uh, again, yeah, just write off freaking Diablo Cody for the rest of my life. Apparently, and whoever had the Rainer is, I'm I'm unfamiliar from with her, but. She's written like, a bunch of series, like TV oh. series, apparently, like Sleepy Hollow. I don't know if you ever watched Sleepy Hollow. No, but I heard that's a good show. Yeah. Uh, Falling yeah. Skies as well. Uh, oh, I watched Falling Skies. That's the Alien Invasion Apocalypse one. That was okay. Yeah. A couple episodes of iZombie. Uh, yeah, that's, again, another CW show. That one actually was pretty good. I kind of enjoyed that one, um, the first, like, season or two that I watched. That actually, like, maintained, like, a pretty funny tone throughout. I think a lot of that had to do with um, Rahul Kohli. Uh, he played one of the leads in it, and he just adds, like, a lot of comedy throughout it. He's also freaking hilarious on Twitter. I think though, it has to go more, do more than just be funny. Like it's got to be funny and light as well. Again, Mm -hmm. this particular universe, I'm saying for Powerpuff Girls from, again, from my experience with it, again, you watch more Powerpuff Girls than I did. I think it's, again, it's a light series. Like it's something you just kind of, you put on and you you have a fun time. I don't know. It just seems like. Like this abnormally short mayor with his like secretary that you literally never see her head. Right. She's so tall. So anytime mm. this, the, the camera's on them, you see like the sm- the little mayor walk across the screen and then the secretary walk across. But she's just so much taller than everyone that you literally only see like the bottom of her hair. 
from like the neck down. It's they do so many funny things. And like, imagine if you translated that to live action, you know, you just have a very short guy. And then anytime the secretary's on screen, you don't see her face ever. It's always just the neck down. Like that would be hilarious. I would love that shit. Again, it would be tough as we kind of stated before, but I think we also stated it would be tough to be on the CW before we knew about this script and, and the fact that they have to reshoot the pilot. But I, again, it's a, yeah. it's just so strange this mm-hmm. is just such a strange situation yeah god i, I really hope that pilot leaks yeah so we could see if that is in fact a, a mm-hmm. true script okay number two as reported by tech website the verge streaming juggernaut netflix has announced that they'll be hosting a virtual conference called geeked week on july 7th to july 11th 2021 according to netflix the event will be about quote giving fans a wide array of exclusive news new trailers live art drop-ins from your favorite stars, and much more about all your favorite Netflix series and films, unquote. During the event, Netflix is specifically looking to hype up TV series like The Witcher, Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation, The Cuphead Show, The Umbrella Academy, Resident Evil, and Neil Gaiman's The Sandman, among others. Recently, executive producer Neil Gaiman announced additional cast members to the much-hyped The Sandman series. The Good Place actress Kirby Howell-Baptiste, Doctor Who actress Jenna Coleman, Harry Potter actor David Thewlis, Nip Tuck actress Jolie Richardson, BoJack Horseman actor Patton Oswalt, and V for Vendetta actor Stephen Fry have all joined the star-studded ensemble cast. To get hyped on TV series like The Sandman, Netflix has requested that we geeks periodically check in at geekedweek.com for event scheduling and additional information. Adrian. What are you thinking about Geeked Week? Kind of like a, like a Comic-Con type Netflix only event. I think it's super cool that Netflix is doing something like this. It's I think these sort of events, these virtual events just build hype. Um I think it might be spread out a little bit too much. I feel like it it may have done better if it was, you know, just like a one or two day sort of event where they just give you all this information. Kind of like what DC did last year with the DC Fandom or whatever it was called. Right, yeah. Um but I, I, I like this. I, I think this is a great idea. Um, and yeah, like highlight all these shows. All, all of this seems interesting. Again, I, I've spoken about how excited I am for the Resident Evil series that's coming out in July. Um, and we, we've already talked about the Masters of the Universe series. So I don't want to uh, dive into that anymore. But um, I do have like a couple of questions to you. I don't know. Have, have you watched or sorry, have you read The Sandman like Neil Gaiman's The Sandman? Or do you know I've anything not. about it? I know vaguely about it. And if my brother were to write in again, I know that he's read uh, a lot of the Sandman. So actually he's got more perspective than I do. Uh, It's a legendary comic though. Yeah. uh, So when they released the cast list for this, um, under every single cast member, it showed like the character they're playing. And then it showed like the, the pronoun, like their, like their pronouns. Is that, like the the actor's pronouns or is that the character's pronouns and like it, it does that have anything to do with the show i was just at a, i was just curious i didn't actually look into that i just saw that i'm like huh like is that in relation to um the 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 fucking comic series or whatever no i don't believe so i think it's uh it's respecting the actors uh and so yeah that's the it's respect for the actors themselves from my oh, okay. understanding Okay. Yeah, cool. like I was reading through, if you read through the article announcing this, it's not just that image. It, it does, when it announces each of the individual actors, I believe it puts in brackets their pronouns as well. So I oh, think they're okay, just cool. respecting the actors. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. 
I, I was just curious. I was like, oh, is that like is that directly tied to the Sandman, or are they just you know being respectful? So right on. Yeah, that, that was that was my only question um, in terms of that. Now the Cuphead show. I don't know if you saw any of the like what they're kind of doing with this and like the animation style that the show is going for, but it is not the same as the animation style for the Cuphead game, like at all. Ooh, this I was not aware of. That is odd. I'm looking at the images now to see what that is because that's strange because the the game is brilliant in terms of its animation. That's what that's one of the greatest things about it. Exactly. I feel like that was the main selling point of, you know, the Cuphead game is, you know, other than it being like a really good like platformer kind of shoot 'em up boss rush sort of style game. Um, but I think the big selling point of that game was the animation style, like taking that almost, you know, 1920s cartoon aesthetic, that 2D traditional animation. Um, and I don't think they're doing that for the show. And I feel like is anyone going to care about this in that case? Like are the, is Cuphead and Mugman all that memorable of characters? Like, I don't know. I just find that a, a miss. I'm sure it would be incredibly expensive and incredibly difficult to do it the old way, like to do it as a 2d traditional animated series. It probably costs a shit ton of money as opposed to doing like, I guess this almost CGI animated sort of thing, but I find it just a miss. Like, I'm looking this up. I don't see what you're talking about, actually. I'm not sure. No? No. I got like a video here from Netflix. Like it's a Netflix teaser trailer. It looks fairly similar. I mean, it's not identical. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Maybe is there a different Cuphead thing coming out that you're maybe confusing it with? Or maybe, I don't know. It's not, I mean, it's not spot on. I would agree with you. But yeah. I think it's pretty close. Like I can send this to you while we while we talk here. So yeah, I just sent you that. Uh, that clip, the the video there. I don't know if you take a look at that animation. I don't know. Yeah. It, it kind of seems similar to me from from what the game is, doesn't it? I mean, it's like similar enough, I guess, but it's still very different. Like again, it it, it looks just cheaper um, and just not as unique and an original. Okay, okay. So that is the animation that you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, good. good. Yeah, I, I was just wondering. I just, it looks like they're drawing it from scratch, as you kind of were afraid they were not. It seems like they're drawing each frame or, you know, the traditional kind of way. Mm-hmm. Just, well, I mean, they're doing it digitally, but. Well, yeah, I don't know. Like if you're doing it like that, then why wouldn't you just keep that same sort of aesthetic as the video game series? It's just, I just find that a little bit weird. Anyways. Yeah, I have to look into it a little bit more to get a better perspective on it. I really do like the game. I think that the game is actually, again, that animation is brilliant. Oh man. It's just so Yeah, it amazing. looks awesome. Yeah. I do not like the game. It's way too hard. I just don't care enough. It is really <laughs> to, hard. To learn it. It's really I like hard. played it for like maybe 10 minutes. I'm like, nah, this is just not for me. Yeah. If you're not a big fan of platform formers or like that really difficult gameplay, I know that you like potentially games, games like the dark, dark souls, demon souls type scenario, but it maybe maybe the platformer with that kind of difficulty is probably what's mm-hmm. turning you off. But yeah, I do like it. It's, it is very hard though. Like it, it takes me hours just to get through one level, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I like some difficult games, like uh, Returnal is a, a more recent example. Like I got the platinum for that o- over the past week. Ooh, that game's a that game hurts sometimes. It does. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I've never been a huge platformer fan. I'll be honest with you. Like especially like two D platformer, three D platformers. I, I was a little bit more into with uh, you know your Spyros and like your Jack and Daxters. But two D, I don't know. Ne- never really got into. I, I don't even really love like the original Mario games. Like I played them, but just doesn't hit doesn't hit the spot for me 
Yeah, that's fair. I, I really like those. I, I'm a big fan of the the Wii, the Wii game in which you can play multiple. You, you can do couch co-op and have multiple uh, Mario, Luigi, a couple mushroom people on screen mm. at the same time. I think that that's really chaotic and it's quite fun, but yeah, that's fair. But anyways, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see more of the Umbrella Academy, obviously. I, I really love season one and two. It's it's interesting because I remember when I watched the first season of Umbrella Academy, it just didn't get, sorry, what's the phrase? Get its hooks in me, I guess is uh, the proper phrase. And then when I watched it uh, last summer, it, it really just, I was into it. And then, yeah, binged to watch the first two seasons and uh, very excited to see where season three goes because uh, the ending of season two was very intriguing. So I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a trailer and stuff. I believe they started filming at the beginning of this year. So, ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, neat. yeah. that's a show that I am intending to watch. I think, I think that might be on my docket at some point again, but I'm, I'm behind on other shows. So we'll see. Yeah, man. I don't know. Umbrella Academy is just fantastic, especially season two. It's based on your recommendation that I would watch it. Like you talk, yeah. talked very highly of it. So that would be the reason. Yeah. Like just the direction that season two goes as well. It's, Super unique. And uh, again, they, they do some su- amazing stuff with some of the characters and, and, and time periods that they play with and everything like that. But I highly recommend it. N- Neato. Cool. Yeah. Geeks Week might be interesting. I, I, the, the thing I'm most looking forward to on here probably is The Witcher, just because I think that that uh, Henry Cavill starring show is really good. And uh, in terms of the first season, it's a little weird in terms of the, the narrative structure of the first season. But I'm excited for the second one. I'm I'm curious to see if they'll learn from some of the the pitfalls of season one and move it forward in that way. So that that's it's pretty neat. And again, we mentioned Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe at the beginning of the of the show, and I will probably watch that because again, it's quite the star-studded affair. So all right, let's move on to number three, shall we? Yeah, man. Number three. As Variety reports, massive technology conglomerate Amazon has officially announced that they plan on acquiring Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios, otherwise known as MGM, for a whopping $8.45 billion U.S. dollars. MGM is an historic Hollywood studio that has produced incredible classics like the 1939 films Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, but more relevantly co-owns the rights to the James Bond franchise. With the new deal, Amazon would own 50% of the rights to the 24 existing Bond films, and all potential future Bond properties, including the upcoming No Time to Die, starring Daniel Craig, while producers Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli own the other half. MGM has over 4,000 films and 17,000 TV series in their catalog, but it's crucial to note that not everything MGM has produced will be accessible to Amazon. Many of the MGM properties, like the aforementioned Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz, are actually tied up in existing rights deals, but Amazon Studios will still inevitably have control over some truly significant properties, such as Silence of the Lambs, Rocky Balboa, FX's Fargo TV series, The Magnificent Seven, The Handmaid's Tale, Donald Trump's The Apprentice, Legally Blonde, and, of course, James Bond, when this juggernaut merger deal finally closes. Adrian, this is a massive deal again. It's like two weeks in a row we got crazy merger deals going on here. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking about this one? This is pretty wild. Like Amazon is very obviously now just going all in into the movie. I feel like they already were with, you know, Amazon Prime Video and then them producing a bunch of movies. I think most notably like The Big Sick was I think the first one that I really recognize as being an Amazon produced movie. And again, that movie's fan phenomenal. I, I love it. I We've mentioned it plenty of times on this podcast before, but this, this is wild. Like Amazon technically owns the rights to James Bond. 
it's it's weird um obviously we will be getting like i imagine they're still going to be releasing the future bonds property bond properties in theaters but i guess we'll be getting a bunch of those movies on amazon after and then after they finish their airing in theaters they'll be on amazon prime video now in terms of the like bond itself it's super interesting so you mentioned it uh, michael g wilson and barbara broccoli like they own they own the other half of, of james bond do you like are you familiar with the broccoli family and all of this stuff the broccoli family they technically have the final say when it comes to like producing bond movies if that makes sense like they have the they control the right to produce any future uh, Bond films, because so there's a company called Eon Productions Limited, yeah, which Dan, is Broccoli and yeah, Broccoli and Wilson, Wilson, yeah, yeah, exactly. That company. Like they own that um, wholly. Um, they they own that, um, and yeah, they kind of have that the final say in in what Bond movie can be made or what the story is going to be. It's super interesting. I, I can't really think of a situation where realistically, like I guess two families in this case owned the rights to James Bond and, and, and what the future for that franchise really holds. And it's been for many years, obviously that they, that they've ha- held these rights. So I don't know. I just find that kind of intriguing. Yeah, since the seventies, I think it's since the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is interesting. Yeah. Like I, I, I just can't think of any other franchise, at least not even as like, not as big as the James Bond, you know, franchise, arguably one of the biggest franchises ever to exist. Um, yeah. That realistically, yeah. Like two families own it <laughs> and, and have full creative control realistically. Um, or the final say for that creative control. I don't know, but it's pretty cool that Amazon is, you know, going in on this and I'm sure they're going to bring in a bunch more movies onto Amazon prime as a result. Uh, so it's kind of just a benefit for us. Like we don't have to really worry about an MGM sort of streaming service or anything like that. Amazon's just getting this content. And we will get it. Um, so it's a nice little bonus for everyone that has an Amazon prime account. Yeah, it, it is. It seems like a lot of money that they spent for, this is an interesting one because they just don't have a lot of that content, as I mentioned in this write-up, is, is is kind of taken by other production companies and other places. Like Warner Brothers has the rights to The Wizard of Oz, as an example. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, $8.45 billion. Like I think, which one was it? But it was either Marvel or or Star Wars. It cost $4 billion. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I know that they've got Bond and other things, but it's Bond is the major one and they don't even own it completely as you just pointed out. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a little weird because a lot of this other stuff is very legacy um, type stuff. Uh, like the most relevant one maybe running right now, I guess Rocky's still kind of going FX is Fargo and the handmaid's tale, but they're smaller properties that aren't, nearly as crazy as bond and they don't completely own bond so it's going to be interesting to see what they can do in the future with this crazy catalog if they can do enough the other um Mm -hmm. thing you you kind of just asked the question or through the question to the audience of what other property is kind of owned by one family or 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 production like a smaller seemingly smaller production company uh maybe lord of the rings i guess like the tolkien estate would be an interesting good call Although it's that's a different thing because I feel like James Bond got the most popular because of its movies, and Lord of the Rings was already a crazy popular book uh, book series, of course, like with the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings 
trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little different, but and now it's becoming this crazy jugger- juggernaut. And you know who owns the television rights for for Lord of the Rings currently, anyway, or or is renting Amazon? Yeah, yeah, Amazon. So it, it's it's cool that they, yeah, they keep- have two of arguably like the biggest franchises under their streaming service at this point. Yeah, it's. It's a little nuts. I'm not sure to what extent they actually own the rights, if they own them completely. I, I'm guessing that they just are, they've got a contract is my guess, but I'd have to look more into that um, in terms of what Amazon can choose to do for for Lord of the Rings. I'm very excited for that series because I just, I'm so curious how they could spend that much money. It's a tremendous amount of money for, for one season. And uh again it's just it's crazy because it's not based on the lord of the rings trilogy it's based on i guess extra material mm-hmm. yeah it's a thousand years or thousands of years before the events of lord of the rings so at least hundreds of years whatever the second age you believe it is yeah yeah i'm glad they're going that route personally because like we don't really need to it is better in a way it is yeah. better because i mean they're not going to you know, tread over water. We just kind of saw in the brilliant Lord of the Rings trilogy that we already got and won numerous awards and in, in, including Pest Picture. So yeah, right on. This is wild stuff. This is wild stuff. I, I'm I'm curious to see what this will mean for us as subscribers, the audience. Yeah, subscribers. Just seems like a win for us, honestly. Alrighty then. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Publication Deadline reports, the Paul King-directed Willy Wonka origin story film has cast Dune actor Timothy Chalamet as a young Willy Wonka. We talked about Anya Taylor-Joy kind of blowing up, but I feel like Timothy Chalamet is another actor that's just blowing up exponentially. Yeah, he's been blowing up for a while, I'd say. Yeah. I feel like the first time I saw him was maybe Lady Bird. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I do just... believe I saw him before that, but I can't put my finger on it now that you've said it's Ladybird. So I'm sure I did, but uh, like th- that's the first movie that stuck out to me, where I'm like, hey, who is this guy? All right. Number two, as reported by website Collider, HBO's The Leftovers creator Damon Lindelof has just been hired on to write and executive produce a TV series called Mrs. Davis for NBC streaming service Peacock. The show will explore the concept of faith versus technology and will be showrun by the Big Bang Theory writer Tara Hernandez. What? (laughs) It's like I want to be excited for this and then they go the Big Bang Theory writer. I don't know. It it seems odd. But again, I'm I'm all in on anything Damon Lindelof makes. Uh, He's amazing. Um, Leftovers is arguably one of the greatest shows ever to exist and I'm all in, baby. Number three. As The Hollywood Reporter notes, Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard has been hired to direct the film adaptation of Invincible creator Robert Kirkman's comic book series, Hardcore. Ooh, interesting. I uh, know nothing about the hardcore graphic novel. Ooh. Number four. According to Deadline, person of interest writer Amanda Siegel has been hired on as lead writer for HBO's Game of Thrones spinoff series, 10,000 Ships. The series will follow the journey of Princess Nymeria from Essos to Dorne 1,000 years prior to the events of the original Game of Thrones TV show. Feels like they're doing uh, 10,000 spin-offs of Game of Thrones. Number five. As Variety reports, Tenet actor Aaron Taylor Johnson has been cast as lead character Sergei Kravinov, aka villain Kraven the Hunter, in one of Sony's many Marvel Spider-Man villain spin-off films. It's a tongue twister and a half. This is interesting because, like, is 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 this connected to the MCU? Aaron Taylor Johnson was was uh, speedster Wanda Maximoff's brother, Quicksilver. 
But again, at the same time, the MCU has had the same actor play multiple different characters. Gemma Chan, as an example, I know we never mentioned this, but we're like, oh, Gemma Chan, we haven't seen much. She was in Captain Marvel. Huh. Yeah. She was one of the, one of the, one of the people that Captain Marvel fights. Huh. Now she's in Eternals. Mm Mm-hmm. Number six. As Variety reports, Marlene voice actress Merle Dendridge from developer Naughty Dog's award-winning video game series The Last of Us has just been cast as Marlene in HBO's The Last of Us live-action TV series adaptation. I think this is pretty cool. Again, she did an amazing job in the game, and she looks fairly similar to the character, obviously. I think they based it off of her. This is awesome. Bring her back. She, she's going to do an amazing job, I'm confident. Number seven. As Variety reports, Marvel's WandaVision and Black Widow screenwriter Jack Schaefer recently signed a three-year deal with Disney to create television projects for both Marvel Studios and 20th Television. Oh, okay, okay. I'm interested. Hopefully these uh, additional projects don't have a bunch of red herrings in them that don't, you know, get answered, like WandaVision. Number eight. As Variety has reported, director Wes Anderson's upcoming COVID-delayed film The French Dispatch is set to premiere at the Cannes Film Festival in July and finally hit theaters in a wide release capacity on October 22nd, 2021. Woo! Will we be able to see it in theaters? Yes, hopefully. Let's stay positive. Number nine. As Deadline reports, Inception actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been cast as Uber CEO Travis Kalanick in the upcoming first season of Network Showtime's anthology series Super Pumped. The series is being showrun by Billions creators Brian Koppelman and David Levian. Joe Gore-Lev coming in hot in this TV series. And I'm sure will be probably pretty good. Number 10. As Deadline reports, Breaking Bad actor Jesse Plemons and WandaVision actor Elizabeth Olsen have both been cast in the HBO Max 1980s true crime limited series, Love and Death. Oh, good cast. What I imagine to be uh, a good premise, maybe, because it's true crime. I know you like that. You're probably all into this, aren't you? Maybe. Hmm. And that concludes the montage. Blah, 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 montage. All righty. All righty. Moving on. What do you got for me, Adrian? I got new releases for you, and I'll keep it quick. I'll go right through this for you, my friend. This is for the week of May 31st to June the 6th. You ready for it? I am indeed. Time for Adrian's version of the montage, but this is now a selection of new releases where you deliver a brisk verdict on the new releases. I'm turning it. I'm turning the show right on its head. Oh. Changing the Game is the first movie coming out, and it's a Hulu original movie. So one might say that you were changing the game. I feel like you really missed that cue there. Mwah. All right, let's 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 edit it. Are we actually going to edit it? Uh, so, some might say that I'm changing the game. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Uh, a documentary exploring three trans teens in their journeys trying to compete in sports. Now... I'm not sure if this is going to be releasing on Star. I couldn't find anything about that. However, we did mention last week that the Modoc series, which aired on Hulu, dropped on the same day as Star. Now, quick, I guess, clarification, not necessarily a correction, a clarification. That Modoc series, I think the entire series dropped all at once on Hulu, and it's dropping weekly on Star. Mm. I might be wrong about that, but I think I heard that correctly. Okay. I read that correctly. Interesting, because no no I did that. watch the first episode of Modoc. Mm. Any good? Should I watch it? I like it, but it was shocking that they only launched one episode, and I, I was kind of gearing up. I'm like, okay, I can see where they're going with this. I'm willing to watch more. I go to play the second episode, and there is no second episode. Mm. So I'm just going to wait then. 
there is a second episode now. Like it launched since uh, the time we're recording this, whatever. But uh, yeah, that was weird. I, I I like it, but it's like one of those things. Is I wonder if it'll be better as a as a chunk of of binge worthy content. Yeah, I really like that like stop motion animation style. I'm very robot chicken. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it is. Yeah. Anyways, up next is a movie coming out on Tuesday, June the first. It's a movie called called Carnival. Mm. This is a Netflix original movie. And it's about a girl who tries to find herself on a trip with her three best gal pals. Ah, huh. okay. The next movies that are coming in are coming in on Thursday, June the 3rd. And the first one is a movie called Dancing Queens. It's another Netflix original movie. And it's about – actually, sorry. Let me rephrase this. I just wrote a question down. Can a woman fill a drag queen's shoes? Question mark. That's what this movie is looking to answer. Oh. Yeah. Weird, eh? Next movie that's coming out is a movie called Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal the Movie. And this is another Netflix original movie, I guess, uh, being distributed uh, worldwide on Netflix. Uh, this is obviously based on the, I want to say, 90s anime series, Sailor Moon. I guess it's a, just a movie um, on that. I don't I didn't look too deep into it, whether it's like a reboot movie or a continuation or whatever. However, um, seems kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I wasn't. Oh, this is the live action film produced by Greg Berlanti from the CW. Is that the one? Yes. And all the Sailor Moon characters are either in rehab uh, lesbian or in porn. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. My most anticipated film of the year. Exactly. Fantastic. This is an animated movie, obviously. It is, yeah. It okay. maintained that similar anime style. Obviously, a little bit more updated. Um, if you look at Sailor Moon, it, it looks old. Uh, but still, I mean, that, that animation holds up, I feel. I, I feel like anime in general, even like older movies like I don't know. I think about like the Studio Ghibli movies, Ghibli, however you pronounce it. Um, even the ones that came out in like the 90s and prior to that, they still look good. They still hold up. Anyways, the next movies that are coming out are coming out on Friday, June the 4th. The first one is a movie called Breaking Boundaries, The Science of Our Planet. And it's a Netflix original documentary on climate change. Hmm. Yeah. Sweet and Sour is the next movie coming out and it's a Netflix original Korean rom-com movie that starts with laughs and ends with tears. Oh, no. I know. It's like the, you know, season 11 of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, honestly, actually, that's exactly that. God, that was rough. I get you. I get you, I think. Yeah. All right, continue. Extreme is the next movie coming out. It's extreme with no E at the beginning of it. They just have the X. Edgy. It's cool. Cool and edgy. It's cool. It's badass, and it's on Netflix. And edgy. This movie's about and edgy. You want me to? You just want me to say that? <laughs> yeah. And edgy. It's cool. It's badass and edgy. Thank you. And it's a Netflix original movie that's coming out on Netflix about a brutal bruiser versus a ruthless killer Ooh. who will win in this fight to the death. Oh boy! I'm gonna guess the brutal bruiser wins. I don't know. The ruthless killer is literally ruthless. So, yeah, I don't know. You can be brutal, but still, you know, not be that effective. I feel like ruthless is kind of you're effective at what you do, which is killing. You're just willing yeah. to just break all the rules, and you know. But if you're brutal and you're a bruiser, you're also edgy. You're cool. You spell extreme with no E at the beginning of it. You have that tattooed on your forearm. You know, it's one of those situations. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Whereas a ruthless killer is just like, I'm just going to kill. 
I just love killing. It's true, but they've got no compassion. I feel like the sociopathic elements of the Ruthless Killer. I'm going with the Ruthless Killer on this one, Adrian. I don't know. I guess we just have to- I guess we'll never find out. Not watch this movie to find out. Because I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We're on the same page. <laughs> Trippin' with the Candace Sammies is a Netflix original movie about two women that try to get their husbands to be romantic again after their children leave the nest. Huh. Yeah, they're not birds, by the way. They're they're regular people. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that clarification. It's just a phrase that people say, like leaving the nest. Ah, my kids are leaving the nest. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. I want to clarify. Appreciate it. Raya and the Last Dragon is the next movie that is coming out. That is not on Premiere Access no more. It's just free. If you got a Disney Plus subscription, you got Ryan the Last Dragon, June fourth. I'm excited for this one. Yes, the movie I'm going to watch. Yeah, fantastic. Looks really good. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah. Me too. Grace and Grit is the next movie that's coming out. This was confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie. And, uh, you know, unexpected challenges and illness begins to destroy a relationship. That's all the movie's about. Ooh. Yeah. Next up is Chasing Wonders. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. And it's a movie that was filmed over five years starring an Australian actor and beautiful landscapes of Spain and Australia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Boyhood, but not as many years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Boyhood was 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Starring Ethan Hawke. Indeed. Actually, not only Ethan Hawke, but I th- I'm pretty sure Patricia Arquette also won an Oscar for Best Actress in that film. Hmm. Best Supporting Actress. Excuse me. Anyway. But yeah. Not this film. Interesting. Which takes place over five years. Maybe it will be the next Boyhood. Maybe. Patricia Arquette, probably best known for a role in the hit TV series, The Medium. Or I think it's just called Medium. Did you ever watch Medium? I watched a few episodes. Uh, another um, TV show that's actually tied to Serbia. I remember it played on the channel Pink in oh, okay. uh, Serbia. Cool. Yeah. Was it called Pink or was it called Pink in Serbia? No, it was literally called Pink. Oh, interesting. Pink TV. Do they speak a lot of English in Serbia? Uh, I mean... I feel like they speak a lot of English everywhere yeah, these days. That's fair. But uh, I mean, it's like, it's not a primary language, but I feel like a lot of people understand it. All the channels, like, you know, it'd usually be just like English and then they would just have Serbian subtitles. Um, so like, I, I know my cousins uh, and one of my like really good friends, actually, his name is Edvin. Um, he lives in Hungary currently, but he, he's from Serbia, the same small town my parents are from. And that's where I met him when we were quite young. He learned English literally just by watching Cartoon Network. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And he speaks it like very well, like very fluently. I mean, obviously he has a thick accent and everything, but it's kind of funny when, uh, when I used to go there and like we were younger, he would speak to me in Hungarian. I would talk to him in English and we would just totally understand. Um, <laughs> I still yeah. talk to him quite often. We do, uh, every like couple months, we do a nice little Facebook, uh, call for about an hour or so. Nice little video call. Hmm. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah it's pretty impressive. You learned it from cartoons. Uh, the next movie that's coming out is a movie called Spirit. Uh, oh, wait. No, I, I skipped one. The next movie that's co- ah fuck it. The next movie that's coming out is a movie called Spirit Untamed. It's confirmed by Cineplex and the Movie Insider application. This movie's coming to theaters. Actually, we can't watch it because uh, Ontario is messed up and uh, the government hates it. Hates us. Maybe, maybe changing soon. You know, it's hopes are up. Yeah, hopefully. Anyway, Spirit Untamed is just the next chapter in the story of Spirit, the horse, and their pals. Ooh. Yeah. 
The next movie that's on my list that's technically before this movie, but you guys wouldn't know that listening to it because you can't see the document, is The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. It's confirmed by the Cineplex app and Movie Insider. And this is the sequel to the other two Conjuring movies, and I guess those Annabelle movies as well, and I think The Nun movie too. Like I think it's just one universe. Ah. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. Has Patrick hmm. Wilson in uh, Wilson, and I think the three Conjuring movies, and same with Vera Farmiga. Oh, he's in all three. I think he's in the Conjuring movies, but I don't think he's in the Annabelle movies, nor is he in the Nun movie. Same with Vera Farmiga. Oh. Like she's in. I think they like they're like occult detectives or something like that. I don't know. They just they do stuff. But the Conjuring movies are actually. Have you watched any of these? No, I haven't. Okay. No, but the the Conjuring movies. At least like the main movies, The Conjuring and The Conjuring, the second Conjuring movie that's presumably just as scary. They're both rated well. Like they're above 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like they're, they're apparently good um, horror movies. So. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, curious again, I'm it. not a big horror guy. So it's like one of those things that feels like it's such a run-of-the-mill type horror film, this series. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Anyways, this last movie that's coming out uh, on June what, 4. Wait, so isn't there two movies? Because what about Spirit Untamed? The movie starring Tony Collette. <laughs> We're bringing it back, baby. She's the dream horse. Dream horse. Classic. Yeah, she's she's one of the pals for the, yeah. the horse spirit. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a real that's a real throwback. That's an inside baseball on our podcast, Split mm-hmm. Focus, a film and TV podcast. Anyways, what's the last movie coming out, Adrian? On June fourth. It's the last movie coming out on June fourth. So this one's a weird one. This is a movie called Samaritan. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and the, and, uh, the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com, as well as, like, everywhere else. And it's coming to theaters. However, from what I can tell, this movie is not coming out here in Canada. Huh. Yeah. I, like, looked everywhere. Unless they're doing some sort of shadow drop or it's not showing anywhere, I could not find it for the, for the life of me that this movie is coming out in Canada. Okay. It just says, wide release on, again, multiple websites. Even Google says this. I checked Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb. Every every website says that it's coming out on June 4th in theaters. And then I checked the Cineplex app in the coming soon. This movie wasn't even listed. I checked Landmark. Didn't show up in the Landmark. Landmark being another like Canadian um, chain for movies, theaters. And I was like, I, this is this movie is apparently not playing. So I don't know about this. But th- this movie, I think uh, it's like a dark and gritty take of, of some sort of superhero movie, but like not based on anything. Um, stars uh, John Travolta. Sorry, not John Travolta. Why, why did I say John Travolta? Sylvester Stallone, sorry. <laughs> why? Are those guys similar to you? No. No, they're not. I don't know why I said that. Um, but yeah. All right. Yeah. Neato. Again, I just couldn't confirm it. I, I don't think we can watch it here in Canada, at least. That's fair. Anyways, the, the last actual movie that is coming out is coming out on Saturday, June the 5th. And this movie is called Kitty Love, an homage to cats. It's a Netflix original movie. Um, need I say more? <laughs> Sorry, is it a documentary? Yeah, it's just an homage to cats. Okay. So it's not a fictional film. No. About cats. It's just a documentary about loving cats. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm tempted to watch this. <laughs> I feel like my girlfriend's into this. I feel like she, if I told I was gonna her say, this, she'd be like, hmm. I was going to say, uh, I feel like your girlfriend would watch this. Yeah, I should let her know. Just seems I don't know. I like read this. I'm like, are you serious? Is this like an actual movie? Looks good. Looks good. I'm interested. That's it. That's all. Yeah. That's all the movies, man. Wow. Alrighty. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate your thoroughness in announcing the movies coming out this week. No worries, man. I appreciate you appreciating me. Oh, I appreciate you appreciating me for appreciating you. 
about the well man you know gritting this thorough list i appreciate you for appreciating me for appreciating you for appreciating me well that's a lot of appreciating i i'm not going to go a step further you win you win i guess you're just the better well you know what i appreciate that the better nice person in this particular case i appreciate you saying that as well you're welcome i don't know why i made that weird mouth noise um (laughs) regardless this is the end of our regular scheduled programming for this episode i appreciate the fact that you joined me today, Adrian, and I appreciate our audience joining us as well. We launch episodes every Monday. They're on every conceivable popular podcast streaming service out there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart. I mean, you probably know this because you're listening on one of these services most likely. Mm -hmm. And so we also ask you to subscribe if you can to one of these particular services or to our podcast, I should say, on one of these particular services and to write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com if you have anything that you want to say to us, any comments, questions, corrections, any random thing that you would like to say to us, we invite you to write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Adrian, do you have anything else to say to close off our our podcast? Podcast, yeah, our podcaster. Um, yeah, right into us. Do you think nine eleven was an inside job? I'm curious. Uh, I, I don't know if we want to hear that. That's we're not a. I don't know. We're not really a conspiracy theory type podcast. I don't want the people from. Uh, Let me know if you think COVID's a hoax. Just oh right no! Into us. Oh no! I damn. I don't necessarily. Was there a second shooter for JFK? Right into us. All this stuff. Oh, super curious. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be nice to keep it light and not politically controversial. Do you think controversial. that the, the Rotten Tomato score for Batman v Superman was rigged? Ah, now that. Yeah, obviously. Now obviously. that I'm, I'm more on board with. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Thank you for listening to the 48th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. I'm just going to say it right here. That Rotten Tomato score was rigged. Batman v Superman's a good movie. We all know it. You know it. We can all stand by it. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. It's a great movie, honestly.